I'm Robin. And I'm Melody. And today we're talking about sustainability and how to live a more sustainable life that leaves the earth happy. So let's start off with defining sustainability. So You Matter posted an article that talked a lot about sustainability and really gave a good definition, stating that sustainability can be defined as the process and actions through which humankind avoids the depletion of natural resources. So essentially, a sustainable life can be seen as living in a way that you're able to maintain what you have and maintain the way that you live without having to constantly use excess resources or get excess materials. Yeah, so it doesn't have to be like you take everything away or anything like that. It's just using a more limited supply that is just better for the environment. The way I see it, too, is like you're using what you have rather than always needing to have more. So there are lots of ways, like lots of synonyms or words that other people use for sustainability, like green or we've heard some people call themselves granola (laughs) or environmentally friendly or... Um, I can't think of any more yeah. off the top of my head. I was going to just say, like, eco-friendly or, yeah, like, that's a good green one. thumb or something like that. Even mm-hmm. though green thumb is more like planting, but it can still be used in this way. So let's talk about why this is important. So the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, say, um, states that since 1990, Gross U.S. greenhouse gas emissions have increased by 3.7%. So greenhouse gases are something that we want to minimize. And if you're not sure what greenhouse gases are, the EPA defines them as gases that trap heat in the atmosphere. So any gas that traps heat in the atmosphere are called greenhouse gases. And they list carbon dioxide as the biggest greenhouse gas and then methane, nitrous oxide, and fluorinated gases. So in reviewing that, I found the top greenhouse gas emitters, I guess you could say, (laughs) in the U.S. So do you have a guess, Melanie? Yeah, I was going to try and guess. Um, I'm going to say, like, factories, if it's talking about places. Um. And I'm going to say, like, uh, trucks, like the big known, like, company trucks. And maybe, like, this might be a stretch, but, like, construction places, like construction worker places. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, those are good guesses. So the top polluter, the largest contributor of greenhouse gases in the U.S. is transportation. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, in 2018, this is all on the EPA website. In 2018, it resulted in 28.2% of all greenhouse gas emissions. It says that the transportation sector generates the largest share of greenhouse gas emissions. Greenhouse gas emissions from transportation primarily come from burning fossil fuels for our cars, trucks, ships, trains, and planes. Over 90% of the fuel used for transportation is petroleum-based, which includes primarily gasoline and diesel. So, I don't know if it says in the article, 
but do you think um that like all type of cars transmit the same amount of this like greenhouse gas or do you think it really is like how big the truck or car is for how much it gives out i'm sure that size plays a factor but also the type of car so i have an energy efficient car and um i'm sure that the greenhouse gas emission is lower for my car than for you know like a van or a truck or obviously a plane you know Mm -hmm. but yeah that's a good point so that's that's one thing to consider when you are shopping for a car is looking for a low emission car or now electric cars yeah and also um not even thinking about just cars like if you get a motorcycle or something like that that also is transmitting a lot of the gas in the air even though it is smaller um but i know some people just get it for fun so they don't use it all the time but it can still um transfer into the environment yeah i think that's something to consider too anything that has gas in it really so even like a lawnmower but of course you're not riding your lawnmower every single day and people do drive their cars every single day some people fly quite often for work so just things to consider when you go about your daily life that transportation is the number one contributor so you know maybe thinking about walking places more carpooling use a public transportation yeah anything that helps a little bit um will definitely make it a lot cleaner than it is now right a little goes a long way and you know this really plays in with quarantine because i know a lot of people were talking about how you know the skies were so much clearer and the pollution was was um clearing up in a lot of big cities and there were way more animals than typical uh because we were all at home and we weren't driving as much and planes weren't flying nearly as much so you know obviously there's a lot of truth to the fact that when we don't transport as much um you know the earth is happy yeah i mean it definitely is true. I could see a difference um, in the sky, especially. Um, but I feel like it's definitely cool to see the change like actually happening and not just hearing about how we can make a difference, you know? Right. But, you know, it. obviously we're all going to go back to transportation and needing to go to school every day and work every day. So it's not always going to be like that. But I think seeing that change is a very real, like a a practical, like marker. I don't know how to say it, but like we can, we can tell a difference and that's always cool to notice like, Oh, huh. This really does make a difference. Yeah. Okay. The second one is electricity production. So it's specifically talking about elect- um, uh, the electricity, basically, burning fossil fuels, mostly coal and natural gas. So the electricity that provides us with heat and air and electricity, lights, um, the stove, the refrigerator, charging our phones, things like that. That makes a lot of sense because um, not even just going along with, like, our household um, 
heating and items like that. Um, but like in actual stores and stuff, just think about how much energy they have to use in their electricity if they're like open for like, I don't know, maybe like 6 a.m. till like 9 p.m. And that whole day, they have to be using the heat or the air conditioning or the lights in general. Like that is a ton of energy that has to be wasted every day, which of course they have to use it because, you know, it's their business. But it's just crazy to think about how much they're actually using. When I went to Europe, they almost nowhere had air conditioning. Really? I mean, a few places did, but most places did not. So you're in a coffee shop, there's no air conditioning. You're in an Airbnb or a hostel, there's no air conditioning. Did a lot of people have, like, paper fans or something? Nope. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, they just, that was normal for them, and yeah, that it was so, so different. And it's hard because when you're used to going, you know, it's hot out, obviously. We were there in the summer. And so you're used to going to a restaurant or something to cool off if you've been walking around all day. And it just doesn't, it doesn't really exist there. But a lot of, or someone had mentioned that one of the reasons they don't have it is because it can make you sick. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a decent point, actually. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like, on a technical side, when the air is flowing, like, wherever you are, there could be, like, dirt and stuff that gets up in the, what is it called, the vent, and so if it, like, is blowing around, it's just all this, like, bacteria and stuff, it sounds so gross to talk about, but, like, all the dirt, debris, bacteria, whatever, are just circulating around you when you have, like, this air conditioning that you love in the summer, but it's honestly like the worst thing for your um, health. Well, but also going in and out of like extreme temperatures. So you're going out and it's really hot and you're going in and it's cold. That can cause shock to the body and make you sick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The third biggest polluter is industry, which sounds to me like well, I'll just read it. Greenhouse gas emissions from industry primarily come from burning fossil fuels as energy, as well as greenhouse gas emissions from certain chemical reactions necessary to produce goods from raw materials. So the way I'm reading that is making plastic and metal and clothing and basically all materials that we use and buy on a regular basis. Yeah, so that reminds me of Starbucks or just like any restaurant um because a lot of people don't like to use the plastic straws and the paper wrappers that go around it and a lot of people either just don't use their straws at all or they use metal straws which i know metal can also be um a wasteful thing but it's definitely a good alternative to the plastic straws at least for um sustainability yeah because you can reuse the metal straw you can wash it and use it again so definitely Mm -hmm. yeah you're right a lot of the straw 
thing is pretty recent, I'd say in the past couple of years, that people are kind of foregoing straws. And some businesses, you can't even get a straw. They don't even buy them anymore. That's really good. I like to actually see um, a difference because I know a lot of people especially in our generations, are really trying to push for a more sustainable life or just uh, in general for the environment? Right. And the fact that industry is 22% of all greenhouse gas emissions, that tells you something. I mean, that they have to make the plastic straws. They have to make the plastic wrap that goes around it. So, I mean, that's something. That small step could lead to a bigger step. And But, you know, Interestingly, with COVID, um, I went to a restaurant and they had everything in plastic, like the forks and knives were in a plastic wrap, kind of like you would get at a like a fast food restaurant or Mm -hmm. like a cafeteria. You know, everything was individually wrapped and um, straws were given. And I think that's because people are more concerned now with health than with sustainability. It's a bigger factor at this point. So it's kind of like we're going backwards in a way, but it's understandable too. Yeah, it's like kind of controversial, I feel like, because, yeah, we're trying to change our way of, you know, using too much of something. But since we are more focused on the health concerns now, people aren't really paying attention to using less of this and that. And it also reminds me of how when quarantine and all that first started, a lot of products were getting sold out so quickly. And so Mm -hmm. they had to keep repurposing or like having more trucks delivering this stuff, which Mm -hmm. they had so much of. And it definitely goes back to this because it's just so much waste that we had because people were buying more than they needed because they wanted to stock up so much, you know? I have an inner dilemma with Amazon Prime versus going to the store because it's so convenient. You can just search. It saves so much time, so much energy, and sometimes it's cheaper to buy on Amazon too, and you get it within two days. You're literally just searching. There it is. You buy it. Whereas at the store, I would need to be walking all around the store, maybe going to several stores to find the item that I need. Um, but I I have an inner dilemma of I'm not sure which is more sustainable <laughs> because, okay, obviously Amazon will have to drive to ship it to me. However, they have hundreds of other packages in there. So it is carpooling, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they have the added plastic or paper, or whatever. It's, it's in a box or a bag. So that's added material. But if I were to get it at the store, they would put it in a plastic bag, which, yes, I could refuse. Um, and driving, me driving myself individually to the store, maybe to several stores, would still use a lot of gas. So I'm not sure honestly which is better or worse it seems like amazon might be worse but i still use it quite a bit yeah and the whole thing with the bag situation um i don't know if any of our listeners have been to aldi before but they actually don't give you bags like you know how like walmart always has their plastic bags like right there for you But for Aldi, they always have either you bring your own bag or you'd have to buy a reusable one. So I feel like that's a lot better 
than other stores, at least in terms of um, that type of thing. Because I know, obviously, they could do better in other areas, but it's definitely reusing a lot. Yeah, and Trader Joe's does not have any plastic bags. They only have mm-hmm. paper bags, and obviously, you can buy reusable bags there, too. Um, and some states have gotten rid of plastic bags, so you can't get them at any store, which is really good, too. But I don't think it's very many states at this point. Yeah, that's amazing. I didn't know they had that, like, you know, totally gone or anything, but that's awesome. You know, now that I think about it, I think it's city by city or county by county because Austin, Texas, when I lived there, they were in the process of getting rid of plastic bags. And while I was there, they got rid of them. So you could not get a plastic bag. And I think there's a city in Maryland that does that, too. And I think places in California do it, too. But I don't know if it's that popular yet. I mean, like we said, just little by little, you know, start where, you know, start small. Right. So the next one is commercial and residential. So the fuels that are burned to heat your house, to cool down your house, to use electricity at your work or in your house, um, all of those kinds of things. Yeah, very true. Um, and it also says the handling of waste. Oh, okay. Yeah, I um, feel like for handling waste specifically... Um, I always feel like it's a good idea, which a lot of people do this already, but, um, I still feel like a lot of people gear towards just, like, trash to be, um, put out and everything, but you really should try and recycle a little bit, especially, like, if it's, like, a a one or a two, I'm pretty sure, yeah, one or a two to recycle, I mean, it definitely makes a difference because you're not going to have as much waste and kind of like pollution from that, you know? Reduce, reuse, recycle. Exactly. Go back to your elementary school years. <laughs> yeah. So then we have agriculture, which is the greenhouse gas emissions from livestock like cows, agricultural soils, and rice production. So I'm thinking this, and I'm not 100% sure, but I'm thinking this might be more for, like, mass farming rather than, like, a local farm that's not huge. Um, yeah, that's what I assume, too. But do you think that, like, fertilizer and that type of thing for the soil is, <laughs> this like, sounds funny, but, like, is a waste in the environment like actually makes more pollution some fertilizers have chemicals that are bad for the environment so yeah i think if you're if you are farming it would be best to get organic which of course is more expensive most of the time but it is better in the long run and healthier for your livestock or your crops Mm -hmm. but um i know that like farmers markets and buying local is really important to the sustainability movement and that a lot of that has to do with you don't have to transport the meat or the goods nearly as far because like we said transportation is number one so that chicken from california has to get to you some way that's that's like 
a lot of gas. So if we're buying local, first of all, we know where it's coming from. Second of all, it's not traveling nearly as far. And third of all, we can better look into the practices that they use versus like a mass farm somewhere randomly that we don't even really know where it is and we can't get a hold of anyone to ask, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, I really feel like it's a good thing when um, your farm in particular has everything for you already because like you said, you wouldn't have to travel if it's right there, you know? And the only thing that I have a dilemma with with farming in general is that you're wasting like we said like you're wasting bags because you do have all this extra like um for like the food or for the fertilizer sometimes it comes in a bag sometimes it's something else but it's still a problem like of course it's not as big of a problem because you do have it like within your fingertips but I feel like there could be another way to do it that would make it even better. Hmm. Well, I think the best option typically is to buy local and use your own bags, you know, like use your yeah. own um, like mason jars for whatever and, you know, seeds or, um, mm-hmm. you know, collecting fertilizer in something other than a plastic bag. Or, you know, maybe even if you live close, like just putting in the back of your truck or in like a wheelbarrow, hauling it over to your house, (laughs) you know, (laughs) things like that. But I think ultimately reduce, reuse, recycle. So can I reuse this bag that I got from somewhere and how so and finding ways to to get creative in that way? Yeah, so I think we're going to take a little break and we'll talk to you in the next segment. So we're going to talk about ways that we both reduce and reuse. We're not going to talk about recycle because pretty much everyone understands the concept of recycling. I don't think we need to go into detail about how we recycle or what we recycle, but we'll start with reduce. So how are you reducing the carbon footprint, Mel? So one thing that I like to do is using a reusable water bottle um because I don't have like the whole pack of water bottles that you can get at the store um that come in like 12 or something and I just use the one that I can just have over and over again um but yeah that's my first one what about you so I I make some of my own products So that reduces the amount of products that I need to buy or the amount of plastic that I need to buy. Um, And another, well, specific example is I use oils as moisturizers. So I just have, you know, I don't need to buy different moisturizers for my face, for my body, for whatever. Um, I just have one and I use that for everything. Wow, that's pretty good. Um. And for the next one, which is reusing, even though I said reusable water bottles, it was different. Well, Um, it works for both. It applies to both reduce and reuse. Yeah, that's true. Um, Depends on how you interpret it. Um, But another thing I do um, to to reuse is to go thrifting, 
which is actually a very recent thing for me. I used to be the person that would want to get the expensive stuff, even though it's a lot of money. I was just like, I need this. But now I am more better with that. And I actually like to thrift and go to like Goodwill or any store like that. And that's a really, really good way of reusing. Um, The way that I reuse, the main one is washcloths and um, towels, I guess. Like I'll use, well, rags. So I'll like use rags and wash them and use washcloths and wash them versus using like a makeup wipe that you're going to throw away or a paper towel that you're going to throw away. Um, So that's probably my biggest one for reduce yeah um and like we said we're not gonna go into recycling because it's you know people know what it is um yeah I wanted to add too really quick yeah for I guess reduce wait did I say the wrong one last time I meant reuse (laughs) I don't know I think I said reduce, but I I guess it works for both. Like, a lot of things work for both. Like, you're reducing the amount of paper towels or makeup wipes that you waste, and you're reusing a product over and over. So, it it works for both. Yeah, all of the R terms, I guess you call them, um, can be, like, interchangeable. Because, like I said, like, I'm using a reusable water bottle, but I'm reducing the amount of bottles that I'm using. (laughs) Yeah, and the plastic that you're consuming. It's kind of a tongue twister, but you can definitely use both of them in the same context. Yeah, something that I just recently started using, which is a reduce and, not a reuse, just a reduce, I guess, (laughs) is aloe. I have an aloe plant, so it grows aloe for me, so I don't have to go to the store and buy aloe and I'm not wasting plastic because I'm literally taking it right off the plant. Wait, so if it's on the plant, is it just on the leaf or something? No, it's inside the leaf. How do you get it out? You pick it from the plant and then um, you kind of squeeze it out. Oh, Or so... I've seen on TikTok, this was so satisfying. <laughs> they used like this special knife and were like carving it out. Oh my gosh, it was so satisfying. So do you use like a container for that or what do you use? No, I just leave the leaf because one leaf will give you like five, I'd say, applications. I put it on my face every single day. That was a TikTok thing that I saw to so put aloe on your face. Um, so I just leave the leaf in my bathroom cabinet in a bag. But see, you're using a bag. That's not good. You need to use a container. You don't know what kind of bag I'm using. Are you using a reusable bag or a plastic bag? Yeah, it's the same bag. I use it over and over. Oh, okay. Then you're, you're off the hook. (laughs) I thought it was a plastic bag. (laughs) well even with plastic bags if people reuse them that's still good that's true yeah if you're just using the one or maybe like two or something yeah but I also have like these washable ziploc bags like they're not 
plastic. They're made out of like some, I don't know what kind of material, but, um, you know, you can zip them up with this, with the plastic thing and then wash it in the dishwasher, which is pretty cool. Hmm. Do you think, um, that like, this is kind of random, but you know how people sometimes when they wash the dishes, they use their like rubber gloves do you think those are very wasteful? Because, like, so I think rubber. With ev- I think with every product that we're used to seeing, there's this more sustainable option. So I guarantee 100% that there are gloves out there that use a more eco-friendly material that can still be reused. But generally, I mean, I do have rubber gloves, and sometimes you need them, like, for especially... I use them for repotting the plants mm-hmm. because you can't hold a cactus with your hands. You have to have gloves. So, yeah. um, you know, and as long as you're reusing them and, you know, I think that's, that's fine, but there are, there are extremes on both ends. So, you know, you just doing little things to, to play. Yeah. Like know. we said in the <laughs> beginning, I mean, if you just like, do one tiny thing. I know it's like a cheesy, like corny quote, but if you do one little thing that can help um, reduce or reuse, you know, use all the R's, um, <laughs> but anything to help the environment, it really does make a difference. Like even if it's just in your house, um, you might not think it now, but it definitely helps out with just the environment in general. Um, yeah and it helps for you to feel more sustainable in your own life like self-sustaining like oh hey I don't need to rely on this product I can make my own or I don't need to go out and buy a water bottle I have one all the time available to me so I found this quiz that I want to give to Melody and it's a sustainability quiz so the first question says which uses less water Washing a full load of dishes by hand or in the dishwasher. Okay, I'm going to assume it would actually be the dishwasher because I feel like when people wash their dishes by hand, at least when I do it, I waste more water because I leave the water on. But maybe I'm totally wrong, but that's what I'm guessing. <laughs> Your answer is correct. Oh, Hand yes. washing. <laughs> hand washing dishes can use up to 50% more water than a water saving energy efficient dishwasher. So they're pretty specific about that dishwasher. But um, however, dishwashers made before 1994 use more water than current models. But it seems like they still use less than hand washing. And I think like you said, it's that you're using water for one thing versus the dishwasher is using it to clean like 30 things at once. Yeah, I was going to actually mention that um, for the dishwasher that we have at my house, um, it actually has an eco button. Um, Same as like the um, washer and dryer also have it, which I think is very nice because I feel like, yeah, like back then or a couple years ago even, they didn't really put that in there and it would just be you know, you're going to use this much water and that's it. Like, you don't have another option. And I feel like it's really nice if you do want to save a little bit and have the option. Yeah, the energy-efficient movement is 
going strong. It definitely so, is. Yeah. Number two, what type of supermarket bag is more eco-friendly, paper or plastic? Paper. And you have the option oh. of none of the above or either is fine. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say paper, but I'm going to say none of the above. Okay. Correct. Yes. Manufacturing and disposing of both paper and plastic bags harms the environment. Bring your own reusable bags instead. See, that makes sense. Like, if you just think do, about it. Yeah, but I, I mean, I understand the idea, but I do think generally paper is better because it's a more natural substance than plastic. Mm-hmm. Like, plastic is made. Well, anyway, that's my, my thought, but yeah obviously the best option would be bringing a reusable bag yeah appliances that are turned off don't use any electricity true or false wait repeat that again appliances that are turned off don't use any electricity true or false um you mean like if it's a plug-in thing I read it how it, it's there, Millie. I don't know. It doesn't say anything because, about like, plugs. It changes my answer because if it's a plug-in thing and you unplug it, that reduces energy because you actually take it out of the outlet. But if it's just a thing that normally uses energy, then it really wouldn't affect it. So, What's your answer, Mel? I know. I'm just going around the answer <laughs> right now. Um <laughs> I'm going to say true. Incorrect. Many appliances continue to use energy for features like clocks and remote control sensors, even when they're turned off. According to the Department of Energy, the electricity consumed by televisions that are turned off but still plugged in costs U.S. households more than $75 75, sorry, I can't read $750 million a year. No way. That's what it says. Like, all together, all of the household yeah. TVs. That's still crazy, though. It is. Oh. So we need to be unplugging our stuff. Yeah. Because, see, I was thinking, as an example of that statement, was, like, if you have, like, a curling iron or maybe, like, a hair dryer... And you're just unplugging that, you know, and that would be better. But I didn't even think about TVs. Yeah, or like microwaves that the clock is always on. In the architecture world, we call it plug loads. That was a tidbit from our unofficial guest. Yes, that is Robin's husband. (laughs) Okay, the next one. Hybrid cars are slower and less safe than conventional cars. True or false? Um, hmm. Uh, false? True. Yeah, correct. Hybrid cars perform on par with or better than conventional cars in drivability and safety testing. Okay, approximately how much global electricity output is produced from renewable sources? or 5%? 10%. My husband is saying 20 and you're saying 10, so we'll do 10. Okay. Correct? It's 10%. Oh, yes. 
Only about 10% of global energy comes from renewables. The remaining 92% comes from non-renewable sources like oil, coal, and natural gas. I just guessed on that one, so I got lucky. About how much money do you save by replacing a single incandescent light bulb with a compact fluorescent light, CFL? $5, $10, $30, or $1? I feel like they're pretty expensive. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say like $30, even though it's probably too expensive. Correct. What? <laughs> How much money do you save? You're saving $30. You're not spending $30. Oh. According to the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, CFLs use two-thirds less energy than standard incandescent bulbs and last up to 10 times longer. Replacing a 60-watt incandescent with a 13-watt CFL will save about $30 in energy costs over the life of the bulb. Hmm. See, I've heard that, not like specifically that, but um, I did know that, you know, the certain kind of bulb that you get is better for sustainability. Yeah, there's another one. I don't know. If, it's not called CFL. I think there's another one. Yeah, it's something else. Um, I can't remember right now. But yeah, I can't think of it is. either. But we use them at my house, and um, and really, they last forever. So I mean, you're you're saving yourself the need to buy light bulbs all the time. Right. Very true. Is it better to leave a lamp with a compact fluorescent light on than turn it off? Wait. Is it better to leave a lamp with a compact fluorescent light on than turn it on and off several times a day? Turn, wait, is it, does it, is it better to have it on all the time? Is that what you said? Yeah, it was a statement that it it is better. Okay, so (laughs) I'd say it's better to have it off and on. So... The question says, it is better to leave a lamp with a compact fluorescent light on. So you're saying false. Yeah, okay, false. true. Yeah. It's always better to turn lights off when not in use. And there's no additional energy requirement for starting a CFL bulb. Yeah. So I mean, good. that made sense because, like, you know, if you have your light on, like, all day, of course it's going to waste more energy. Right. But I think some things take more energy to start up but they're saying that that's not the case with the light bulb yeah that's true because you did say a lamp right so it's like a smaller thing right yeah during a long trip you can serve more fuel by driving fast and getting to your destination destination sooner than you do by going the speed limit true or false False. Correct. The EPA estimates you save about 15% on fuel by driving 55 miles per hour rather than 65 miles per hour. Properly inflated tires and a well-tuned engine also improve fuel economy. Yeah, I mean, I, like, you know, don't always um, reduce the amount of gas that I use, but I, like, I don't know. I just kind of have that in the back of my mind that if you are going to go faster, you're going to use more gas, you know? And if That's going, what it sounds like. Yeah. And if you're, like, going the speed limit or, like, maybe a little bit over, you're going to reduce how much you use. 
Dropping the thermostat from 70 to 68 degrees, 21.1 to 20 degrees Celsius. I didn't need to read that. (laughs) (laughs) Saves you about how much on your heating cost? 20%, 10 percent, 5 percent, or 1 percent? Um, 20 percent? Incorrect. Oh. Each degree you drop the thermostat during winter saves about 5 percent on your heating bill. For air conditioning, set the thermostat to 78 degrees Fahrenheit. So remember that unofficial guest we had during the quiz? He is now our official guest, my husband, Derek S. Jones. He's a project designer and has been working in the architecture field for almost four years. He is also LEED certified, which stands for... So LEED is the U.S. Green Building Council. And what they do is they set a set of levels for sustainable design for buildings yeah, so sustainable design is Derek's biggest passion with, within the architecture world. So he's just going to touch on sustainability from his perspective. So a few big things that you can kind of do at a really micro level would be a, one thing is just everyone travels to work, right? There's a lot of uh, CO2 emissions from transportation. So one thing you could do is, you know, take that bus once a week to work, maybe take an electric scooter, you know, and I guess another option to look into is, uh, you know, a lot of power companies, larger power companies have renewable energy credits that you could buy that, you know, pull power from hydro plants, from wind power, from solar. So, yeah, look into uh, yeah renewable energy credits. And, you know, when you talk about sustainability, you can even knock it down even lower as far as like just when you're walking in the park and you see trash on the side of the road, just pick it up and recycle it. It's, you know, it, it's, it's that easy. Um, so I guess if, an- another good thing to add to this too is, and Robin touched on this earlier, is just simply having plug loads. Like when you, when you leave for vacation, turn off the HVAC, HVAC system, you know, unplug your, your lamps because those plug loads, they, they do add up. Um, Robin, I don't know if you want to take it from here, but those are kind of sort of my, you know, entry level sustainable options that you could do on a daily basis that would definitely help our future. How are you using sustainability in your designs? Oh, this is a tough one. Um, so, you know, uh, oddly enough, um, one of the things I really like to incorporate in buildings are walk-off mats in the beginning, like in, in the entryway of the building, because this um, this creates more of a, I guess, a clear environment in the building, and it's less work on the mechanical systems that they have to keep filtering dirty air, so therefore less load and CO2 emissions on the building. And not only that, as, as you know, I use on most buildings, I use TPO white, roofing which reflects the sun as is another great um material to use when you when you think about sustainability um way better than epdm so great so any last minute thoughts or suggestions for our listeners when it comes to living a more sustainable and green life this is something that Derek and i have implemented in our life for 
like oh, probably five years now. We actually also share a car. So that's one way that we're reducing our transportation. But um, yeah, take it away. So I would I would just recommend just taking baby steps. You know, that's all I really have. Perfect. Thanks for joining the show, Derek. Melody? Thanks for having me. <laughs> Any final thoughts? Um, I was just going to mention that um, I think it's interesting to hear Derek's side of this because when I think of sustainability, I don't really think of buildings as much. And I think of more of like the little things like he was saying, where we were talking about the bags and the straws, but I never think of it as like a large platform that actually affects the world even more than we think. And I think it's very cool because that is his job and that's what he works on, you know? So we're going to end the episode there and we hope you enjoyed. And as always, follow the Instagram, which is millennial.z.podcast. And we always post on there for new episodes that come out. And we'll see you in the next one.